Step through the trees, come into the clearing, into the hollow, the spirits are cheering. We are here to learn, to share, and grow. So many mysteries there are to know. So join us here, no need to fear it, around the fire, sharing our spirit. So welcome to Hazel Hollow Podcast. Today we are joined, well, I guess I should introduce uh, the regular people. I'm Katie. Hi, I'm joined by Quentin and Seth. And we also have a guest today because we're going to be talking about something kind of fun that we all don't know a lot about, but somebody does. <laughs> so we have a guest, uh, my husband, Aaron. Welcome, Aaron. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. So a typical thing that we do in our podcast here, we kind of talk about rabbit holes that we have been down in the last you know, week or so since we uh, last recorded. And obviously we've had Christmas too. So I guess the rabbit hole could be celebrations all of those things so i let's see should we let our guest go first see what yeah that sounds great down. oh really we're gonna start off with me who is not quite sure what to do could use an example but <laughs> so basically you know something you saw on tiktok instagram you know it could be even something that you found interesting over the week it could be you know something you did okay well usually rabbit holes that i end up going down are game related so a lot of D&D world building or theory crafting. Um, also, I find myself going down paths of psychology, specifically Jungian psychology with the, what is it called? Archetypes. Ar well, archetypes is part of it. And then the universal unconscious, I believe, is the other part of it. Um, collective unconscious. That's it. Thank you very much. The collective mm -hmm. unconscious. I find all of those uh, rather interesting and both the psychological and the philosophical that how they intertwine together to help paint a picture of who we are and how we think i think one of our sources that we were going through for the today's podcast excuse me because we're talking about astrology and the zodiac that uh, had a lot of the psychology in it it was really interesting as we were going through okay next quentin what about you okay let me think because it's been a minute. I spent the last week driving, <laughs> moving across the country. So a lot of it was packing up the last of my stuff. I didn't really get too much time for like TikTok or anything. I suppose I would have to say I uh, came across this uh, TikToker who I won't mention, and they didn't do anything bad or anything, but I just happened to like have an opinion about their opinion. So they're saying that uh, it's very uh, rude and inconsiderate to refer to your deities as your deities. So Saw in that. other words, like, like claiming ownership of them. And in the broad spectrum of like problems in the world, I feel like it's a very small hill to die on. Like pick a bigger hill. I, I feel like the semantics are uh, pretty low on the list of priorities for what we need to be working on as a collective and as a community and as a world and a society and all these other collective words. But yeah, uh, that's that's about as far as my rabbit hole went. Sarah! Well, uh, I've not really been online a lot this past week, but 
my wonderful sister did get me the uh she got me a witchy book that I've been wanting for a long time. It's The Green Witch by Aaron Murphy Hiscock. So I've been reading through that the past couple of days. Oh, that's fun. That's a good book. I don't know. I, I haven't been down any specific rabbit holes besides today we were just like wrapping presents and reading astrology books out loud <laughs> to each other, just going through like different research today. I, yeah, I, I haven't really been online. I've I found a new app for my planning and I think I finally know what I'm going to do with uh, my own personal book of shadows, whatever I want to call it, whatever found a cool app for it and so now it's going to be partially written by hand and partially on my ipad so i'm excited yay (laughs) well i guess let's uh let's jump into our episode for today we are talking about the zodiacs and astrology and as we were actually chatting earlier in our uh our chat for our podcast on our discord server hazel hollow shameless pluck because we have below. one <laughs> linked below we are talking about how we don't necessarily know a ton about it i mean i know that you know for example i'm a cancer sun sign great yay you know like going deeper into what that actually means and figuring out that um you know, okay, you're not just this sign, you know, there's so much more to it. So that's why we asked Aaron uh, to be on the episode today, because uh, he's done he's done a little bit of research. <laughs> I think in the last couple of years, uh, he's doubled his library of astrology books, and I always get him another one. <laughs> oh, so you're to blame. You're I am! The problem. <laughs> I, I am the enabler! <laughs> But, uh, I, I mean, I can't speak for him. I think he's always been interested in I'm just uh, cultivating the interest. <laughs> Sowing the seeds. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we had talked earlier, uh, Aaron and I, about like how we were going to structure this. And I know, Seth, you were coming with uh, some questions. Quentin, I know you were coming with some, some history, some like myths and things. Aaron's kind of got like the outline of... <laughs> he's got stuff written down. <laughs> Yes, you do. He's just sh- he's just mouthing no at me in the video. Uh, but I thought we would start a little bit with with history. You know, like where it came from. You know how it got to be as big as it is today. That those kinds of things. So I'm going to start with something that I know that I actually read out of um, a book that I would definitely recommend because it's getting more interesting as we read it. It is uh magical symbols and alphabets and you wouldn't think that this book would have a lot about astrology but it specifically talks about the history of it and where and how it started and i found it super interesting because it says that it started in you know babylon and i'm like what uh, because i never you know i'm not the astrology person that's why my husband's here uh so i found that super interesting and yeah started in babylon and then it went from there and went all over the place (laughs) my understanding oh sorry go ahead no go ahead oh (laughs) i was just gonna say as far as like my knowledge has like taught me from like over time that i've you know done research on astrology specifically the zodiacs those are like greek stories as far as i know them so like for example uh like 
the sign of Aquarius, who is the water bearer. That was somebody, Cliff Notes version, someone was super popular with the gods. They liked him. So they made him like the official wine bearer and would refill their cups on Mount Olympus. And then when he died, they put him in the stars. So that way he would forever fill their cups. There's a lot of details I'm skipping over, but that's kind of the quickest version of that story. Um, My uh, experience of like knowledge of Zodiacs is also mostly mythology-based, and even then it's still limited. Although for anyone who is interested in the mythology, John Solo on YouTube has a series called Astrology Explained. Ah, I'll have to actually like check that out. You You had mentioned it earlier, and I was just like, around spastically around my house so i didn't really have time yeah i uh i binge watched the entire playlist before we came on here my gosh. Just, to, just to recap he's, he's a good creator he's uh he's well researched in in his yeah. videos he's great he goes through multiple sources as well oh that's always good i enjoy well-researched people so aaron i guess where where did you want to start what uh what would you like to grace us with your knowledge <laughs> grace us <laughs> i guess the best place to start would be at the beginning, give a little background. Astrology and astronomy have been very closely entwined since the beginning of the concept, dating back to about 6000 BC, uh, pre-Babylonia with the Sumer nation, who were some of the first to start jotting down that they noticed a pattern in the transition of the stars and the patterns of stars across the sky. The Babylonians then took this information and then created a circular grid, I guess you could say, and broke it down into degrees, which then got converted to minutes and seconds, which is based off of their numbering system. The word zodiac actually comes from the Greek for animal. The zodiac links the constellations with time, then those zodiacs, since they were associated with a certain time, got associated with certain constellations. Those constellations then got associated with certain mythos, gods, what have you, and those associations from the gods and myths of those specific constellations created the characteristics for what we now associate with the zodiac signs. Wow. In about the 6th century, Greek, Alexander the Great brought the Greek influence to Babylonian astrology, where Ptolemy picked it up and wrote his Tetrabiblos, which is apparently one of the Bibles of astrology from ancient times. It has a lot of the core techniques of astrology. It went into details about the signs, aspects, planets, and that's also where the divine influences of the gods on the constellations began to find themselves. And astrology was originally used as a tool of the state, you know, marriage between different city-states. Uh, should we go to war? Should we not go to war? Is it going to be a time of peace, prosperity, what have you? So uh, it, was, but eventually... it was used... Sorry. No, go ahead. So it was used more as... Um... Could you say, like, divination, kind of-ish? Yeah, mo definitely divination in the idea of casting about for importance. 
um, is it a good time to do this? Is it a bad time to do this? Uh, will I be blessed if I do this? And so on and so forth. But eventually that div divination part of it spread down into the the common folk, the lay people, where sorry, they I have started to... using it for a little bit of everything. What? So, no, I'm sorry. I have to say this because I, I say some... It's not a TikTok reference today. I'm sorry. It is a uh, movie reference. Uh, it's like the stars. The stars are not right for this kind of sacrifice. <laughs> when the stars align. <laughs> no, I just, like, uh, wrote to El Dorado. Um... Yes, it's like, stars are not right for this type of tribute. He's right, stars. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I wanted, to, I had a question. I had yeah, a question before we uh, continue on. So you said that, like, they, the Sumerians had basically mapped the sky and, you know, broke it up into, like, 12 sections, basically, right? The Babylonians did that, yes. Oh, Babylonians, Sorry. Uh, the Sumerian had 17 sections because they did it off the moon, correct? That, I mean, that's from yes, what we were reading. that's what we had read earlier. Yeah. Okay. So the Babylonians did that, and then you said they broke it up into 12 degrees and then minutes and seconds, or hours and minutes, or, or whatever you'd said. Yep. Like, is that why we have 12, like, 12 numbers on our clock? I was going to ask that, too. It's very likely because, from what I was reading, it sounds like it came from the Babylonian numbering system. And mm -hmm. from what else I was reading, the, the number 12 just seems to be a very significant. There's the 12 disciples of Christ. There's 12 Zodiac constellations. There's, uh, I can't remember some of the other references, but there was many, many references to the number 12, almost like the number seven was considered significant because it kept showing up a lot of times. There's seven days in a week. There's seven deadly sins, seven holy virtues. And these numbers that show up repeatedly, these patterns, they get associated with bigger and bigger ideals. And I believe that they all start out as just purely mathematics. You think about, not the Fibonacci, the golden ratio, where... Mm -hmm. The, the spiral is all around in nature. So these things exist in nature. They exist as a constant and people start to observe these constants and then start associating other things with them. Uh, in numerology, I know that when you come, uh, it's all based on like single numbers, single digit numbers. So when you get to 12, you would combine one and two to make three. And three is a very prominent number as well in numerology. Can yeah, you that. can probably yeah, find quite know. a few examples of threes. Yeah, I don't know a lot about numerology. That's definitely not my wheelhouse, but... Another podcast episode, numerology. Right? <laughs> is, it on, is it on the pinned list? <laughs> it's gonna be. I'll put it on there later. <laughs> what is uh, interesting to note, though, is that in addition to what we think of as the Zodiac and our version of astrology is only one half of astrology. The other was created in India and is kind of the Hindu astrology. And they use a little bit different system of counting the constellations. It's the difference is the tropical versus sidereal calendars. And what that basically breaks down to is that if I observe 
the Aries constellation in the sky, that's going to always be constant. The problem is that when I see Aries in the sky is not going to be the same. It's going to slowly shift. And I believe it's over the course of 2,000 years or something where it will make a full circle, but it'll slowly shift itself out of alignment so that if you're following the sidereal calendar of the zodiac, you're going to end up in a sign that doesn't match the dates we use in the tropical. It'll get shifted halfway into the next one. Um. And that can cause a difference in signs. For the Western, what we use, they specifically point out that Aries will always be on, I believe, the first equinox. And then they gauge all the rest of the zodiacs in an equal time around the circle. But what that means is that Aries is never going to move if it's always on that same date. They don't pay attention to what's in the sky. They just say Aries is always going to be on this date. So that's the tropical. That's the tropical. Okay. Whereas the sidereal is saying whatever is in the sky, that's what sign it is, not a date range. So question then, is this, I, I don't know if you found this while you're reading or anything, but there's some people that believe in like cusps, meaning like your sun sign, you can be on like the border. Is that where those come from? Or is it literally just because you're closer to one sign than another, or you're like in the middle or something? I'm not sure. I can't answer definitively on that. I didn't come across that specifically in my research, but it is an interesting concept. You know, is it an association with the time of the year or is it an association with what's in the sky? Does that change the astrological components of a birth chart? If you were to calculate it based off of one or the other, would the change help to better illustrate the characteristics you exhibit? This makes my brain hurt. So I guess for the the people who may not be familiar, I'm I'm sure the people who are listening to this podcast, but I'm not going to assume, are somewhat familiar with astrology, at least, you know, basic knowledge of what the zodiacs are um, and what your sun sign is, at least. But um, I know that there are some people, it's kind of a bone of contention and a... uh, Some people believe it, some people don't, like the the idea of cusps, um, because I personally am on a cusp between, you know, two different signs, an air sign and a water sign. Yay! Uh, So I'm an airy water person. But if I look at, you know, my birth chart and if I look at the different things, it's really interesting to see how much of one sign I have. And there are some people that are like, no, those don't exist. There are no cusps. And I'm like, then how do we explain me? (laughs) I'm a very airheaded water sign. So it's definitely interesting um, talking. I, I know I'm getting more into like where you know, your sign falls and where your birthday is and all that stuff. But I really find it, um, the, the history of it. And now that now it's in my brain about the, the what did you call it? Tropical versus what? Sidereal. Sidereal. See, I was going to say something completely stupid because I didn't remember the word. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. the side piece calendar. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. side piece calendar. Sidekick calendar. <laughs> Um, but it, it would be really interesting if that calendar has something to do with 
the fact that you do have you know more of the qualities of one sign over another or like such a mix it would be really interesting to have or find research of that now i'm getting into something completely different that has no research so we're gonna have to make research ourselves oh sorry i rabbit hole uh tangent we're still on astrology but i got distracted fine it is it is funny to note though you know, how astrology went from a purely mathematical, we're using the stars to calculate how much time has passed in a year, to its more metaphysical and uh, spiritual successor that I think a lot of people end up going towards today. Mm -hmm. The Middle Ages especially, there was a lot of advances in mathematics, uh, that, which made the charts more accurate. And then Placidus adds the house divisions to the astrological chart. And that's a separate wheel on an, um, a natal chart, a birth chart, whatever you want to call it. But the zodiac wheel spins independently of this house wheel. But this brought up a lot of problems. And the Inquisition at the time, because the church was very powerful during the Middle Ages, saw this as heresy and thus it caused astrology and especially the spiritual and metaphysical side of it to have to go underground it was it was lost for a while and that's about the time where it started to shift over to india and the arabic culture took it up and made even more advances to it it stayed that way until about Oh, 17th to 18th century, basically the Age of Reason. The skepticism and science during the Age of Enlightenment kept astrology kind of as entertainment, but it was starting to gain more traction. And then in the 19th century, England very much renewed its interest in the spirituality and the mysticism part of it. And then that's where you get some of the modern... Uh, psychologist, especially Carl Jung, starts using astrology in analysis and begins making even more advancements in astrological medicine and just helping to explain the, the human mindset and how it works. So that's all I got for a basic historical background look of it. Where did you guys want to go next? My candle looks like it's burning another candle. <laughs> <laughs> i kind of had a a question again uh yeah. but let me see if i can remember what that question is oh, i'm sorry uh, you should ask it's okay it's okay oh gosh there is a comment i wanted to make is that like not every culture has zodiacs i know mm -hmm. that there is this big belief that like there's a celtic zodiac and it's complete and total like bs because it's not it's not real like if they're like, there's some people that say like, oh, there's like the, 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 the trees, which are very important. You have a birth tree. I, I don't know much about that, but I, I do know when either. I was researching, what was that? I don't either. That's interesting. I've never heard that. I need to dive a bit more into that because I do feel like it kind of ties in, but you know, Llewellyn publishing produced a few books about this concept of the Celtic Zodiac. And that's why I think a lot of people believe it. And it's not real. Because if you actually look at it, they take from all of the different Celtic tribes that existed. And they're saying that they're all the same. And that they all follow this one system. And it, that's just not true. 
Mm. Um, I think I also see the same thing with uh, Egyptian, with the Egyptian concept of uh, zodiacs. And like, oh, you're born under the sign of the Nile. You're born under the sign of this or something. And I'm not sure if that's even real either, because it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, at least not right now. Because I know that we have like our Western Zodiac, and then we have our Eastern Zodiac with like Year of the Dragon, Year of the Pig, Year of the Cow, so on and so forth. And that finally, that rabbit hole led me to my question. Um, What can we see? Like, why is it that when we look at the Zodiacs as, you know, say, star signs, what would, say, the Eastern Zodiacs be? Like, because they follow like the entire year. Like, is that astrological also, or is that based on a completely different system? I am not sure entirely. I remember reading something about that part of it being based on the shifting uh, zodiac, possibly putting different names, but I haven't done research into the Eastern zodiac as much as I'd like. A lot of my looking has been in the Western with what we consider the zodiac. Gotcha. But it is interesting that you would bring up Egypt because in one of our books we were reading, it specifically said that uh, Egypt denied the astrology that was brought to their country. Yeah, like they didn't follow it. They didn't believe. Oh, here it, it is. Anything. Here it is. It's from it's from the Magic Symbols and Alphabets uh, book by uh, Sandra Keynes. It says, although the early Egyptians mapped the stars for uh, calendric purposes, they did not take to the Babylonian style of the of astrology that the Persians brought with them. But change came later in Egypt during the Greek occupation. So I'm thinking that's probably Alexander the Great just kind of forces them to follow the Grecian practices of their astrological naming and calendric purposes. This is another one. This one's about China. It says, as for China, despite attempts by few early 20th central academics to corroborate, okay, I had issues with this word, corroborate. Words are hard. Uh, (laughs) A Babylonian influence, they stayed with their own celestial system. Okay, so then let me ask you this. How is it, because I finally remember this other question I had. How is it we came to mapping the stars and then we're assigning correspondences to those constellations? Like, for example, I'm a Virgo sun sign. How did we come to the answer that that means Earth or that cancer means water. And I don't think it's just because it's a crab. Um, you know, or Aquarius, Aquarius is the water. Like, yeah. Is a so, water like, bearer, but is an air sign. Makes no yeah, sense. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Don't worry about I don't it. know how the elemental part of it got associated with it. Well, we've, sorry, no, because there was a point in our book that we were reading that it said that he, this guy put all these things to it. But I can't find it. I'll find it. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Who is this guy? We need to go beat him up. I Who did think guy? it was funny as I was, as I was doing my research, though, because I'm thinking to myself, there's way more constellations than 12. Why in the mm-hmm. world do we only use 12 in the Zodiac? Well, and there's so yeah. many, I'm sorry, there's so many, like, stories behind so many of the other constellations, too. Like, you know, Cassiopeia, for example, you know, she was... Or Orion. Yeah, you know, all so of I these different things. Minor. Yeah, yep. you know, there's there's yep. so many. Why don't we use those? Yeah, no, I that's that's and really what interesting. What I came to find out is that the twelve zodiacs we use are based off of what's called the ecliptic, 
And what that means is the sun literally travels through each of these constellations during its path as the earth spins around the sun. It'll the sun will take time in each of these constellations, but only in those 12. Although I take that back because recently it started passing through a 13th called Ophiuchus, which they're still going back and forth if they want to add that to the astrological calendar along with its own set of associations and correspondences. That means that everything gets shifted? That's what I'm thinking. It would just so kind of wouldn't... everything a little tighter. Hmm. That's interesting. I had another question, and it's like on the edge of my brain. <laughs> Don't again. <laughs> I, I need to write these down. <laughs> <laughs> Was it about the planets? Was it about the constellations? Yes, the planets. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, so many, many, many years ago, we were only able, like the ancients were only able to perceive out to a certain planet that we had. I believe I want to say that was Saturn. And we didn't really have the last three. You know, we didn't have Pluto and uh, Uranus and Neptune. Neptune and Uranus, yep. We didn't really have, like, in, for example, in traditional witchcraft, we don't have correspondences to those planets, at least not in the traditional sense. Like, we have new ones, uh, which kind of overlap with the other correspondences. But, you know, our main celestial bodies that we follow is the Sun, the Moon, and then Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, and Saturn. And I Mars. think Earth is in there and somewhere. Mars. And Mars, thank you. I knew I was missing one. <laughs> so we have correspondences for those, but we don't have them for the other three planets. And yet we also have the houses. You know, you were talking about the house wheel that exists. Yep. So how is it that we came to include those three planets for that? I'm not sure, but you do bring up a very good point because the original 12 houses, before we discovered the last three planets, were governed by different planets than they are currently. Since they didn't have access to... Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, they associated certain, they gave two houses to a planet in some cases. And oh. only recently, after they discovered those last three, did they add them to the, the house wheel and give them their own governing planet. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I didn't really, just, just looking at this, because chapter two in here is the planets in the same book that I was looking at before. And so... There's an herbalist, uh, Nicholas Culp Culpepper. <laughs> Culp yep. I don't know. It's, it, that's what it looks like. Wrote several books on astrology and integrated it into his herbal practice. So they already started this in, and he was uh, 1616 to 1654. So they were already starting to akin things. At this, I don't. Why, do, why doesn't it tell me why they started doing this? I think that's just to leave it open for further research. I mean, yeah. Oh, okay, here. It's because they started to focus on natural magics. So the church sometimes, like Aaron had said earlier, the church was seeing it as heresy, but sometimes the church was like, I see nothing. And in, you know, like the um, the places where clergy in like rural monasteries, they were practicing natural magic, a study of stars, stones, herbs, and animals. And magic was considered an offshoot of astrology and vice versa. Natural magic was regarded as the opposite of demonic or black magic. That's an entirely different podcast, you know, black versus white magic. We won't get into that one. 
<laughs> it's on our list, though. It's on our it list. Is, it is on the list, but that's that's not today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's interesting that... Um, and then uh, it's Agrippa. Um, I can't find his... One of the one of the kings, <laughs> one of the kings named Agrippa in 1510, and he started to work on natural magic, and then started, you know, the church started to get into it, and all these different things. And I'm just like, this is really confusing. <laughs> well, it seemed to be that as long as it was considered a philosophical debate or something meant for entertainment, that was fine. Mm -hmm. You know. But as soon as it tried to prescribe what or tell you what the Lord's plan for you was, that's when it was heresy. So this is what it says. In universities established chairs of astrology and in some colleges, the topic was included in the curriculum for medical students. Astro uh, astrological medicine continued to grow in popularity and became regular for physicians, clerics, and laypeople. There were written rules of medicine, including information on the zodiac signs, the power of the planets, the position of the moon, and the fixed stars. And this is all in the, you know, this is all because of the church and a specific, you know, king. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting where all this, like, starts. Well, I think this, the farther back you go, that's when you have, like, the kings who all wanted to have, you know, they wanted to just, like, shake things up. Like, in Egypt, almost every time there was a new pharaoh, there was, like, another, there was new rules that you had to play by, you know, and then yeah, that's and how we have... system for how we did things. Yeah, and then it was because of Alexander the Great, if I'm not mistaken, that he's the one that's like, we're all, we're all Christian, and then everyone's just like, okay, I guess... I guess we're Christian. Sure. Whatever, whatever that means. So yeah, like it just kind of depends on like the period that you're in. And a lot of the decisions, I think when it came to like spirituality, all came down to the king. You know, like for example, our King James Bible was like commissioned by King James for the church. Like he's like, write, write this down. And he had a, basically came up with his own interpretation of like the scripture and now we have the King James Shakespearean Bible. Yep. And there are certain sections of the King James that are translated in such a way so as to put the king in a good light. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's all about, I think that's kind of proof that you have to really pay attention to where your information is coming from, no matter what that information is, because if it's written by people, people have an agenda. For example, King James Bible, he had an agenda and he was using church and religion to push that agenda. So I think no matter really what path or faith that you believe in or that you take for yourself, you really need to, like I said, just analyze the information and where it's coming from. Yeah. Taking a snapshot of a point in time and what are the signs, planets, houses, and aspects influence on that given point in time. That's the basis of astrology. So that being said, because, you know, because for the longest time, like I always thought, along with I think a lot of people in the world, astrology was just like your sun sign. And then as I started to follow, you know, a more spiritual path, I learned that, oh, it's also your moon and your rising sign. Oh, now it's also your houses and your planets and da-da-da-da-da. And there's all these things. It's so, like, in-depth. 
so I've not followed astrology, but I do follow tarot. Tarot is a very deep and complex uh, system. Is it would it be the same to learn astrology the same way that we would learn tarot? I would say, uh, I would say yes, because the watching Aaron do the amount of research that he has and the amount of books and how thick the books are. It is insane the amount of stuff that is, and, and, and I'll let Aaron talk in a second, but just, <laughs> there is something, um, so I can't remember what the sun sign represents, but the moon sign, you're, you're like not, yeah, no, your moon sign represents your emotions, correct, Aaron? Yeah, if I'm, each okay. planet is associated with a certain energy of your complete character. Yeah, so like the sun is, I can't remember what the, your sun sign represents. Your sun sign is what you view yourself to be. That's that's what it the, is. The so, key word associated with the sun sign is I am. And then the moon is your emotions. Yep. The moon is I feel. And then the uh, your rising sign is how other people perceive you. Yeah. So Perfect. your sun sign, you may think of yourself as one way, but how people actually view you is whatever planet is in your rising sign. And that has to do with the house wheel again. It's also known as the, the ascendant sign. So people mm -hmm. see me as a stubborn bull. Great. I'm a Taurus rising. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Quentin. I know that you, you wanted to get into that subject of, like, can we study it like tarot? My opinion would be yes. I, I should unless you had another question, sorry. <laughs> well, cause my thought process was like, it's, it takes a lot of work when you have say two different cards next to each other and you have to interpret how they interact or how they contrast with each other. Mm -hmm. And just from based on what we've talked about so far, it seems like that's like, you have your fixed definition, like, oh, the moon in Capricorn means blank. And then you have to figure out how blank interacts with the person that is say asking your question about their natal chart or whatever mm -hmm. like it, it's it's a lot of interpretation it's like a big puzzle that you have to kind of figure out and i it's not really a question now but i was just i guess it's a rabbit hole at this point <laughs> no that's a really interesting concept because i didn't even think about that because i feel like <laughs> if we can if we can frame astrology the same way that we've framed tarot would that make it more accessible for people who are interested to learn it what do you it's think very possible because of the fact that like you said connections are a huge part of astrology you have your houses which denote certain areas of your life whether that be self life body of the first house or home family roots and parents of the fourth house 10th house is career, social. So these are the, like big umbrella sections of your life. And that's the outermost layer. And then you have your planets inside of those houses, which help to shade and manipulate. I won't say actions because astrology does not tell you this is how you are going to be. It is more of this. <laughs> is how they have seen it in the past and they've noticed a lot of the similar 
things happening when this planet is in this sign or this house. So basically, it's it's about the pattern that they've seen. Yes, it's like a predisposition. Mm-hmm. As opposed to you will and have to do this because your sun sign is this and your moon sign is that. So I have a question. It's a yes. weird one. How many... Okay, th- this is probably not something you can answer. So you're you technically... Your natal chart, your astrological chart, whatever you want to... Your birth chart is personal and specific to you. So technically, there shouldn't be another one like it. But what if somebody's born at the exact same time as you in the exact same place with all that stuff? Is there another you out there? Well, like twins. Yeah, well, I mean like twins or just another person be born in the exact same place within four minutes of each other because forget which part of it but one of the parts only or shifts every four minutes so even twins even twins as long as they're more than four minutes apart are going to have a different unique chart and also because we include minutes and seconds, it's going to change the aspects of the signs as well. Astrology is based off of the pre-Copernican system of the universe, where everything revolves around the Earth. The Earth is always the center of an astrological chart, and the sun rotates around it. So, based off the angle of a certain planet to the Earth in the middle of the chart to a separate planet, That determines its aspect or angle uh, for layman's terms. And then certain angles are corresponded to different, oh, I don't know, modifiers, I guess. Because say your sun sign is in Libra, for example, I'm just going to borrow mine. That could be in opposition to a different one of my signs. And that would mean that there is a sort of dynamic tension between whatever the sun is associated with and whatever that other planet is. For example, if it's the moon, there's a dynamic between uh, dynamic tension between who I think I am and how I feel. So in my case, the opposite of Libra would be believe that's aries or taurus nope that's aries so i could have a moon that is wanting to do one thing which could be at odds with me feeling like i should be doing another thing but that's only one of the aspects there are many different angles or aspects and they're separated into major and minor and with varying degrees of how they affect everything else in the chart so when you were talking about tarot and how all the cards are connected and figuring out how all the pieces fit together it's very much a puzzle because you start adding in your pieces and you're like oh i got it and then you add in this other piece and you're like oh no everything shifted again I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm. I'm just so, listening to this. Sorry, I'm just listening to this. Going. We've talked about this before. I remember none of this. My brain is exploding. Okay, sorry, Quentin. Go ahead. 
So I wanted just to touch on something else in astrology that I know, at least I believe to be true. And that is not everything, astrologically speaking, has to do with like your zodiacs. Like, for example, I was born during a full moon and I was given like uh, an explanation as to what that means on its own, like not connected to mm. anything else. Just I was born on a full moon and that means this. Do we have like, I don't want to say records, but like, is there resources out there that talk about non-constellation astrology? I was a terribly worded question. Um, <laughs> but I understand where you're coming from. And I haven't run into those, but then again, I haven't looked for things like that. Uh-huh. Th yeah, that's a very good point. They just bring in the influence of where the planet is in the sky. They don't necessarily bring in the influence of what waxing or waning of said planet or moon was happening during the time of the birth. I don't think they get that detail, but it would be interesting to see if somebody did associate or correspond something with those. I mean, you're saying they obviously did for at least the moon. Mm -hmm. I'll throw everything off again. <laughs> Another piece right, of the puzzle. <laughs> uh, well, I want to just add on to that really quick. Like, does, is there also a difference between when you're born at night to versus when you're born during the day. Does that have an impact? As opposed to, it would make a difference in the fact that it's a different time of the day and the planets and signs would all be in different positions. But as opposed to, is there a certain energy associated with solar versus lunar? I'm not sure. There mm -hmm. is certain breakdowns of the zodiac signs themselves that give certain qualities to them they're broken down by element you guys have brought that up before they're also broken down into quality so there's three uh qualities there's cardinal there's fixed and there's mutable and then there's two different polarities which are your yin and your yang your positive your negative your masculine your feminine your uh, active versus passive. I think a duality. Yeah, it's very much a duality. And there's six signs associated with yin, six signs associated with yang. And I don't know if that necessarily is that solar versus lunar influence or if that's something completely separate. I want to say it's completely separate just because we've associated kind of a active energy with a sun and a, a passive energy with the moon, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, that if a planet was in the sky at night versus in the day, it changes anything. So I would definitely be interested to see if someone has done research like that, you know, does it matter if it's day or night, if that changes or affects the whole chart because mm -hmm. i've always kind of been of the mindset that because my moon is in pisces and when i read about the correspondences to pisces that sounds more like me than the virgo in in my sun sign i have the so, same thing actually <laughs> i've got a pisces as my sun sign but an aries 
as my moon sign and I associate myself far more with Aries. That's interesting. Yeah, so I, I that's what, your one of the things, entire idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's something I was kind of like curious about. Like, is it possible that yes, we have the sun and moon and rising, but what if you were ruled more by your moon sign or even your rising sign rather than your sun sign? And that's kind of where my question came from about, oh, what if you're born at night? Does that mean like your moon sign could be more prominent in your in your existence or it is, is that interesting just... because your rising sign is based off of the house, and that house has a ruling planet. So I'd be curious to see what the rising sign's ruling planet is and see if that matches more closely to what you guys are, are, are saying. Also, my rising is a Libra. <laughs> So I I agree um, with what Quentin is saying, because yes, okay, I'm an emotional water sign. Yes, that's the thing that I really am. But nothing else about a a cancer is is me. I'm very much Gemini. Like my emotions. Steph, what did you say you felt most like? Aries? Aries. Aries. Okay, that's really funny. Because... It, it the rising sign always happens in the first house and the ruling sign of the first house is mars which is associated with aries so that's interesting we're just gonna have to after the podcast is over just go through everybody's birth charts <laughs> and just, <laughs> just go through all of it so i found it really interesting uh, sorry saf go ahead to be fair though i was also born half seven at night so it makes sense to me mentally that i would associate more with my moon sign that's and fair I, I also follow the moon phases in my craft that's compared true to, compared to the sun so i found um okay first of all i was just looking up uh quentin's question about the moon phases because i just had to because i'm near a computer i'm on a computer obviously uh, the first uh, the website that came up was Cosmopolitan. Isn't that a great resource? <laughs> ah, yes. So we will not be reading that one. Um, How to use your moon sign to keep your man. I know, right? right? It's like 25 <laughs> ways. <laughs> 25 um, ways your moon sign can help, you, can help you get clearer skin. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's great. But I, I don't really like either one of the um, the websites that I found, but I did find another chart website because usually what we've used before uh, for our listeners, um, uh, Cafe Astrology has been the one that we have gone, well, Aaron and I have gone through to you know figure out our birth charts. This one is really interesting. Um, I will put it in the description of the podcast and I will also link it to my lovely fellow mods slash guest here. And it, it actually tells you your natal moon phase. So this one, for me, it says you were born under a bal- balsamic moon. Like some vinaigrette instead. Yeah, vinaigrette. (laughs) So this is what it says about me. Um, Born under this phase, you have a natural ability to boil down ideas into their most precise form. Ahead of your... Ahead of your time in some regard, you most likely find it frustrating to deal with systems that make no sense. Sometimes it's hard to fit in and you may move through many relationships or iterations of your life. You straddle the need to resolve the past while preparing for the future. 
nobody say anything. Nobody. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> That's not me at all. <laughs> so I I would have to say that being what moon phase, I would say is pretty um spot on for me. <laughs> well, just to touch on that real quick, the balsamic moon is not a moon phase. Well, that's what it says. It shows like a crescent moon. So I don't know necessarily. Yeah, to me, balsamic sounds like a type of moon, like a super moon. Yeah, you would think. It says, for more information, check out the workshop, Your Moon. Hmm, another website. Well, because I know that we have, like, uh, names for the full moons as we go through the year, depending yep. on which uh, culture That's you true. follow. So I think in that case, Katie, the source that you have is combining the concept of the moon phase and the named moon. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's not necessarily the best credible source, but that was interesting that they had it included because most of the other astrological charts don't. Mm -hmm. But yes, you know, we're going to have a, a podcast uh, an episode on this too. You know, make sure that you find credible information. Yes. <laughs> and know what to do with it. But that description was pretty good. I outed myself. Fine. <laughs> I outed myself last episode too, saying how old I was. We'll definitely have to do like a part two to this and just have like Aaron do all of our birth charts and then we can just like make fun of each other. Yes, I agree. I agree. Because I would love good. I'd love to hear Aaron's interpretation of us based on our like <laughs> But the thing is, the thing is, we can't tell him whose chart is who. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> he already knows mine. You all have full permission to call us all out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I might have to pull out some of my other books. The it only is, astrology. Yeah, we'll, just, we'll, we'll assign a number to everybody, and then you have to oh, just give us oh your like, just your most honest, brutal like interpretation of our charts, and then yeah. you just we have to like you know very shyly be like, yeah, that's mine. It's like a blind pace <laughs> test, except for astrological charts. Yeah. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, this astrological sign chart tastes very sour, with a hint of daddy issues. <laughs> Gosh, this is based off of Jungian psychology, not Freudian. Jeez. <laughs> That's why there's so many Freud books at the half price bookstore. Nobody wants to read oh about it. There's like an entire section just all Freud. <laughs> Nobody wants to read it. Um, is there anything else that we'd like to ask Aaron on our lovely episode today? Or did we ask all the questions? I was going to say, Saf said he came with questions, but I don't know if he asked them all. Blah, blah, blah. You asked them all for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I, I have a big mouth. I'm sorry. It's fine. Uh, it's, I've, I've got them all answered. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's rather amazing how broad a scope astrology can cover It just in the idea of like Quentin was saying earlier, it's not just a sun sign. It's not just a moon sign. It's how do I see the whole picture together? You know, because we're not just one aspect of ourselves. We're not just feelings. We're not just thinking. We're not just action. We are a culmination of each of our parts and how those parts work together. What takes more precedence than another all helps to create a unique character and person that we are. And astrology, with its 
metaphysical part at least aims to shine a little light on that and give you an idea of this could be what we've seen others have in this time of the year, this time of the day. And so now what are you going to do about it? What actions are you going to do as a person with this knowledge that you now have to shape the rest of your life? Not saying you're condemned to be whatever this is, but now that you have this information, how are you going to use it? How are you going to best use your strengths, cover your weaknesses, so on and so forth, to create a even more fulfilling existence? I think you wrapped that up quite nicely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I think this proves is that, you know, it's a much deeper subject than a lot of people may think it is. And this might have them go out and, you know, learn for them. Do their own research. Do their own research. We've whet their appetite. We don't need to say more. If they have questions, we're certainly here. Join but, our yes, Hazel Hollow. <laughs> if you have questions that you would like us to try to answer, you can email us at therealhazelhollow at gmail.com or you can join our Discord server, Hazel Hollow. Link yes. will be in the description. Shameless plug. Yes, it will. <laughs> but... Thank you, Aaron, for joining us for uh, this very deep, interesting subject. I know we all came with questions and kind of battered you with many, many, many thoughts. Yeah. Don't worry, Saf, I asked your questions for you. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know there was a lot of technical jargon that we went through and a lot of stuff we didn't get to cover, like what each of the planets specifically represented, what each of the different houses represented it. Well, but Part that's two. usually looked up. No, no, we want people to go out and find the information themselves. That's part of research know, learning. Well, you can't just trust everything you hear. You have to well, go out and that's true. you have to go look it up. That's true. I mean, they can they can listen to us all they want, but if they don't go out and, you know, check our sources, go look up for themselves, what good is it? I will in the description below, besides the the link to our, our podcast, our podcast, our Discord server, I'm also going to have the two or the few books that we talked about in the podcast. I'm going to have the title and the author below. So that way you guys can do and find a good, credible source that we now have handed to you. Here you go. <laughs> but I guess go ahead and do the reroll and see what we're going to do. For next I time. I already have. Ooh, what are we doing? As kitchen witchery. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so next time, please join us for uh, Katie's favorite favorite episode. Remember, before we see you again, I am bold, I am strong, I will find where I belong. Many blessings. <laughs> <laughs>